if you're not working in an area at this point, we want you to work in an area. Just talk to Miss uh, Becky. And, uh, but we want you to come at least by 9 o'clock, I mean 6 o'clock on Wednesday. And um, if, if you want to go into the Connect class, you can go help Chris, encourage Chris. Prayerfully, there's newcomers in there. We need you to help. If you don't do that, you can stand at the front door and welcome people. Or you can get with the prayer ladies and just pray with them. But some kind of way we need you on a schedule committed to a time that's already planned out that you're going to be here and you're going to do something. Everybody good with that? So if you're not connected in an area, get with Miss Becky. Becky. Yeah, our biggest place is a toddler room in the nursery. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we have some good things going on here, and you just need to be a part of it. Okay, here we go. Let me find my place here, Sue. I'm in Ephesians 4, 11, <clears throat> and the Bible says he himself gave. Now, this is Jesus. He himself gave some, not all, not everybody, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Now, notice who gave this. You understand, I can't stand somebody up and make them a prophet, make them apostle, make them a pastor, make them an evangelist, make them a teacher. That, that's not my place. That's God's place. He gives that. Y'all understand that? Now, I can recognize it. Matter of fact, Carl, you can come sit up here with your wife, man. We got the thing going on. Matter of fact, last uh, Bible school session, I just began to uh, minister to Carl and his wife, Donna, that they'd be pastoring. And, you know, I, I was looking in another area, but God pulled a switch on us. I mean, I knew it was pastoring, but I just missed the mark. Something fell through, so something else opened up. And uh, so I didn't call Carl to be a pastor. God did. I just recognized it. I, I'm just helping train him to be that as a pastor. But God calls you to these things. Now, these are the five-fold ministry. Uh, Jenna asked, what is the five-fold ministry? Well, I, I asked the same question one day. Uh, sometimes I hear about things before I read it in the Bible. And I actually heard about the five-fold ministry when I was just got saved and didn't really understand it. I kind of heard the word pastor before and priest, but as far as evangelist, you know, prophet, an apostle, uh, I read it in the Bible that Paul was one, but I didn't know anybody. And so to just, I see the fivefold ministry, it's fivefold. That means it had five parts. I see it as the hand of God. And so I'll explain that, but let's read on a little further. So the fivefold ministry or the, or the fivefold uh, call, the apostle prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we see something here. 
we see the fivefold ministry and we see the saints. So this is church. And so you understand you really can't have church without the fivefold ministry. And you really don't need the fivefold ministry if you don't have the body of Christ. And so this is, this is why we do church. This is why we assemble together. Because there's something the fivefold ministry can give the body of Christ to raise them up to a place or the call will be, become evident in the body of Christ. You know, people grow in the church. You start out, you don't know what you are. You're a saint. How many of y'all know it's good to be a saint? If you ain't a saint, you ain't. You need to be a saint. And guess what? To be a saint, you don't have to die and then wait on a bunch of people to vote you in about 100 years later. No, when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, you become a saint, a Christian, a born-again uh, believer. So we see the fivefold ministry and the body of Christ is together. It is part, this is a good plug for the church because people say, I don't need a church. Well, you missed a fivefold ministry. And then you miss your brothers and sisters growing up in the Lord, becoming what God is calling them to become. And so I was called to be a pastor and several other things, but I was notified when I got saved that I would be a pastor, but I really didn't know what it was. So after about 14 years of preparation, I actually stepped into it. And so you don't know, maybe, maybe you do know your call, but there's a preparation for it. And, and guess who helps you with the preparation of your call? <laughs> the pastor. Now, I'm talking mainly the pastor, but the apostle, you could be involved with the prophet also, also the evangelist and the teacher, of course, but the pastor that's why when people come in here and they got prophetic words that you're going to travel the world and you're going to be a missionary and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Well, I believe it. You know, if you get a witness in your heart, man, hang on to that. But you're going to have to be prepared to do it. And some people won't get in the process to get prepared. So they always know they're called to do it, but many never do it. They got the call but they didn't choose to walk in the call and get prepared. So preparation is everything. Because if you're not prepared, you understand you can't become it. You go get a job somewhere and they hire you to do something, they're going to train you. And if you don't get the training, you know, you're going to flop. Or you're not going to get the position. You'll fumble. You'll, you'll lose your job or you lose your position. So it's the same thing. With any call that you have on your life, you need to be prepared for it. Well, God's going to do it. No, he's going to use people. He's going to use the fivefold ministry. He's going to use the body of Christ. Everybody's equal. Y'all understand? Everybody's equal here. Now, the fivefold ministry does have a little more authority, but also the husband in the household has more authority than the wife, but they're still equal, and they still have to get along, and they still need to be one. And so having more authority is just having more responsibility. So if you want more authority, you just have more responsibility. That's why a lot of people, they don't want to be the boss. They want the boss's money, but they don't want to be the boss because to be the boss or have your own company, it takes a lot more responsibility. And to become the company owner, sometimes you working for somebody else first. You're growing up. You're being trained. You're getting acquainted with the, uh, the job or the service or whatever it is. 
So it's the same thing in the church. Most of the time when, when people get saved, first thing you call to is the ministry of help. Just start helping. Just start helping in any area that there's a need. I'm telling you, if you do that with the right heart, God will begin to cause the thing that's really inside of you and what you're called to do to begin to surface. You'll just get this inclination while you're just serving people and connected with the body of Christ. You'll start getting these, these sensations and ideas like, man. And you see, you see you're calling oftentimes in church. You see it. And if you're called to be a pastor, I'm going to be drawn to you real quick. Whether you're a lady or a man, I'll just be drawn to you because I'm just drawn to people that are called to be pastors. I get them close to me because that's what I do. And whatever you are called to, usually you will associate with it. Inadvertently, unknowingly, you'll just be drawn to that call in your life. And oftentimes, a lot is taught, but a lot of things are just caught. People learn from me how to pastor and how, what to do just by hanging around me. Y'all with me? You know, if you're an apprentice to some type of skill, you just get around that person. You help them. You watch them. You know, you, you, you have a visual. It's a video running daily. And so all of a sudden, you kind of catch on and like, can I try that? And then you grab the welding rod and almost electrocute yourself. <laughs> Robbo's looking for some welders. Anybody interested? A little plug. Are y'all with me? So it goes on to say, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or to a perfect woman. That really means maturity. You, you understand, we have to grow up. And we're going to talk a lot about that. You just have to grow. You have to get in a pace and a process and then begin to move spiritually forward. You know, you, you can't always be worrying about the same thing you're worrying about. You, you can't always have this low self-esteem. You can't always be struggling in your finances. You can't always be struggling in your marriage. You can't always be struggling in this. You know, I mean, you can grow out of that. But you just need to be trained. You need to be teachable. You know, the quickest way to get mature, stay teachable. I got it. I'm a, you know, I told you all this. I learned how to play the guitar on my own. And I was so limited. I was so sheltered because I was just learning on my own. When there was an array of people out there that just could have imparted something. But I was so shy, so intimidated by their gift. But they were willing to teach me their gift, but I was just intimidated by it. So you can't be intimidated by the challenge that God is putting before you. The Lord said, come on, man, grow up, grow up. So the, the purpose is to mature. You know, when you're 50, you can't still be living with your mama. When you're 20, prayerfully, you're not parting your whiskers with the baby bottle. You gotta, it's natural to grow up. It's just natural to grow up. And so being a born-again believer, it's just natural to grow up and, and stop striving with the same old stuff. And oftentimes, if you're striving in an area and you're struggling in an area, you need to go to somebody. I mean, don't try to invent the wheel again. Somebody's already made it past this. Go talk to them. Be transparent. 
be honest and say, I need help. I'm fumbling in this area. And we all know you are. <laughs> but we can't open your heart up to anything. You have to. And there's people in the body of Christ that have the goods like the fivefold ministry. Y'all getting anything out of this? To measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel with every creature. He who believes, that's my next scripture, but I'll leave that alone. The hand of God. Okay, this is it. Just so you know, the apostle is the thumb. I'm looking at the fivefold ministry is the hand of the power of God to build the body of Christ. So the apostle is the thumb. The thumb fits around everything. Usually an apostle, he moves in a lot of different gifts. He's been acquainted with everything in the church. Oftentimes the apostle and the prophet work together. Uh, the apostle can teach. The apostle can pastor. The apostle can evangelize. And the apostle can have a prophetic eye. You understand? That's usually the case. Uh, so we have the apostle as the thumb. Everything really revolves around that. And then we have the prophet. And the prophet is, your, uh, is the one that points. I see the prophet as the eagle. The prophet has an eye. And if you know anything about an eagle, an eagle can see up to four miles. An eagle can see a rabbit four miles away. Isn't that powerful? And the eagle's eye is almost as large as our eye. And his head is so much smaller. So he's all eye. <laughs> if y'all want to go see an eagle, just go right above uh, Port Allen on the river road. Make your way through Port Allen, go on the river road. Go about a half a mile. Look on your right. You'll see this huge nest. It's probably about six foot. And there's a mama eagle, a daddy eagle, and two little eagles right there if you want to see an eagle. So anyway, an eagle, uh, the way he spots his prey is as he's above everything. He can see it. Matter of fact, an eagle has this special thing in his eye that he can actually see the urine trail of his prey that the human eye cannot see. Who wants to see some urine? <laughs> and, to, and so the prophet is like an eagle. He has an eye that not every animal in church has. It's specifically the eye of the Lord. And uh, basically, he can see the whole picture of the church. And usually, the prophet can locate the church. The prophet can usually uh, determine the direction of the church. Uh, I like to use a good example as a prophet is Kim Clement. Susan and I used to uh, listen to him a lot. He actually prophesied that Trump would serve two terms. He, he got part of it already. He said Trump would serve two terms. Some other things, too, that he said concerning this day now. Oh, he said in 2018, the economy would change and begin to take off. I'm telling you, 10, 12 years ago, nobody could see that. It was just like, no, we stuck. And he prophesied that, and it's happening. He also prophesied something that I'm going to look into. I didn't even tell my wife about this yet. But there's something going on with the oil 
in the, uh, in the world now that we're producing our own fuel and we're free, we have our own fuel. It's kind of shaken up the Middle East. And uh, so they're trying to do some things to hurt us. And uh, I think a lot of the countries buying oil from them, they're using the American dollar. And, but they don't want to receive the American dollar anymore. They want to start taking the currencies of those nations. And some kind of way it's going to cause something to happen to the, the dinar, the, the uh, uh, what is it, Kuwait dollar. It's going to it's, it could cause the Kuwait dollar to just go crazy and soar. And so he was talking right after he prophesied. I, I just listened to the video the other day. He was talking about this Kuwait dollar. He prophesied that it would go to, it would soar and go to an amazing height. So I'm thinking about buying some Kuwait dollars. <laughs> I mean, I'm listening to the prophecy. You understand, this is, this is not any intelligence from the world. This is not coming from anybody in the stock market. This was prophetically seen by an eagle, an eye of the Lord, a person that's connected with what's happening, what's going on in the future. So I'm telling you, his, his, uh, his ratio of hitting it was pretty, pretty high. So Sue thinking about buying some Kuwait dollars. I mean, I'm, t I'm talking about it. It's being said that a $1,000 of Kuwait money could just like multiply 10 times. And so it's, it's going to be worth a shot for me. I'm going to put it before the Lord. Anyway, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. You understand? And so the prophets can point, the prophets can speak. But you need to have an ear to hear what the prophet is saying. And so we got the prophet. He's the one that points. It's oftentimes it's direction of the church. And uh, also we have the evangelist. And so the evangelist, if you look at your finger, he's the middle finger. He's the one that sticks out the most. He comes in, blows up, blows in, blows up, blows out. And then the pastor has to go behind him and clean everything up. You know, he comes, I mean, seriously, y'all ever been here with David Hogan? He's coming. And it's like we were standing here the last time David Hogan was here. And uh, he said, you want to have a fire tunnel? And we had a fire tunnel the year before. I mean, we had to pray for people after. I mean, it was hectic. Who was here? It was hectic. And so David Hogan, he's all charged up in the service. He looks over at me and he said, you want to have a fire tunnel? I said, let me ask my wife. I said, Sue, you want to have a fire tunnel? No, oh, not a fire tunnel. Not a fire tunnel. Oh, not a fire tunnel. <laughs> anyway, we... <clears throat> anyway. So y'all understand. An evangelist, just Kevin's an evangelist. Look at Kevin back there. Kevin's an evangelist. And so Kevin is, you know, he's going to get up here and preach and teach and pastor and do all of that. But eventually, he's going to have you thinking about souls. Eventually, it's just going to come out. He's going to give us part of his testimony and bam, it's all about souls. And, you know, sometimes the evangelists, if you're not all about souls or interested in souls, you just, you just feel like you're out of place. Well, that's his job is to stir us up about souls. 
And usually a good evangelist is just not going to come. He will move in the power gifts. That's what he does. He will move in the power gifts. But a good evangelist will take the time with the church to help them go out on the streets or make a plan or a workshop to help the church to actually do it. Y'all with me? And, of course, you have the teacher. And, of course, a pastor can teach. Everybody can teach. Clayton is a teacher. How many of y'all been going to his meeting? I mean, just phenomenal. And, and I think some people in this church hadn't been exposed to a teacher. He's just a part of the five-fold ministry that helps the body of Christ, works along with the pastor, you know, just to edify, encourage, and train up and build up people for the work of the ministry and to be whole and stable and sound as a Christian. And, of course, then you got voila. You want a good example of a pastor? Me. Now, the, the teacher is the little pinky. You know, if you don't, you know, you need him. But the pastor is the one with the ring, the finger with the ring. You stuck with me and I'm stuck with you. We married. You need, I, 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 I've told people that left this church, I said, you know what, go do whatever you got to do, but you always need a pastor. And some people would laugh it off. And they still struggle in life. They're still unstable, wish-washy, here, there, marriages messed up, bada, bada, bada. You know, can't handle their finances because they never had a pastor. So you need a pastor. Tell, tell your neighbor you need a pastor. I'm it. <laughs> okay, now let me clarify this. The word apostle came from, it's a Greek, it's out the Greek uh, vocabulary. And so it, it's not from Christianity, so to speak. It came from the Roman Greeks. And what they would do when they would conquer a land, they would send an emissary or an ambassador to that land that understands the Roman culture, understands the Roman authority, understands the Roman values and principles, and this man is sent there to change that culture, to convert that culture into the Roman rule and the Roman authority. Y'all got that? So this man was sent to align that culture with the Roman culture. And of course, they were pretty hard people. They used a lot of force. They used a lot of weaponry. You know what I mean? They demanded you change. And so an apostle is someone sent to change the culture. Someone sent in another man's name to carry that man's authority, that man's principles, and that man's values. And so we are all sent ones, okay? You might not be the apostle fivefold ministry. You could be, but we're all sent ones. Everyone's sent on a mission. Not everyone's going to be sent overseas. Not everybody's going to be the missionary overseas, but you're sent on a mission, and you're sent with authority. You're sent with power. You're sent with an assignment. You're sent to bring the Jesus culture in an area. 
if you call to our children's church, you you in our children's church to bring the children culture, the Jesus culture, to our children's church. You understand? Y'all got that? And so everybody's sent, but not everybody's a five-fold ministry apostle. You could be, but if you're not working in your mission now, don't even think you'll be the five-fold ministry. You start where you are. And also, everybody has a prophetic eye. You can have if you make yourself available to the Holy Spirit. This is the gifts of the Spirit. <clears throat> I talked about that, those gifts our tools. Now, you may not be a prophet, but you can be a prophetic voice. And uh, there's a lot of things, crazy things going on right now in some churches. Just because somebody moves in the gifts of the Spirit, they think they're a prophet. Well, no, it's a gift. You just move, it could be you're just moving in the gifts. But, you know, if you, if you rise to that office of a prophet, you would start right there and God would just move you. You understand there's an office of an apostle, there's an office of a prophet, there's an office and position of an evangelist, there's an office and a position of a pastor, and there's an office and a position of a teacher. David Husky's also a teacher. That's just a gift that he moves in. But in the body of Christ, there's a gifting that can come on you that you can work in this type of realm. The apostle, you're just sent to do something. God sends people to this church just to help us. Uh, you could use the prophetic gifts. It's just gifts. The Bible says do the work of the evangelist. Speaking to the body of Christ. Well, I'm not an evangelist. Well, the Bible says do the work of an evangelist. Maybe you're not an evangelist. Maybe you won't have the heart and the depth as Kevin has. But you should have a compassion for souls. You understand? All of us do the work of the uh, evangelist. And a pastor, you know, it's basically discipling people, helping people mature in different areas of their life. So everybody can have, everybody has the ability of shepherding somebody. You just might not have your own church. You might not be the so-called pastor and have that capacity, but you surely should be shepherding or helping somebody. And also, teaching. I can't teach. Well, did God give you anything freely? Did you receive anything from the Lord? Just free. Well, you have freely received, now freely give. Just teach what you've been given. And the Bible, uh, Paul was talking to the Hebrews, and he, this is what he said to the Hebrews, the Christian Hebrews. He said, some of y'all ought to be teachers by now. You ought to be teachers by now. Now, he wasn't talking about the fivefold ministry necessarily, but he said, some of y'all ought to be teachers by now. But I have to keep going over and over and teaching you the, the rudiments, the simple principles, the elementary things of the Bible over and over and over. You should be past that by now. You should be a teacher. So that scripture right there tells me we can all teach. First of all, you need to be teaching your own children the principles of the Lord. But you got neighbors. You got people. We got new people coming into church. I mean, don't leave it all to the fivefold ministry. You just start. I'm telling you, if you want to fulfill the plan of God on your life, just start where you are. Just start. That's what this whole 
uh, curriculums about this time as being a minister, uh, releasing the power of God in the anointing, being a minister. Just start where you are. I mean, I'm telling you, you can stand out there at the front door and just welcome people and minister to people. Just in a few seconds. We have to start opening our mouths up. We have to, first of all, open ourselves up to the Lord. And uh, we'll talk a little more about that. I'm still on the first scripture. <laughs> the purpose of the fivefold ministry gifts set in the church is to teach and train all believers so they can go out and supernaturally minister to the world. We got a dying world, man. We need you. We need you. God needs you. God needs you. He's not going to hire a monkey. He's not sending angels. He'll use angels. He needs you. Those in the fivefold ministry are not to be the star performers. Every Christian is to be a supernatural minister. We have sat on the church pews long enough like spiritual spectators doing nothing. Listen, in my time when I got saved in the 80s, men and women of God were just beginning to give away their ministries. In the 70s, the 60s, the 50s, there was the rhinestone cowboy. The man of God did everything. The woman of God did everything. Everybody just sit there and look. It's like big entertainment. If you needed prayer, he did it. If you needed a prophetic word, he did it. If you needed a scripture explained, he did it. It's not like that. That's not even scriptural. We all have a piece and we all have a part and we're all to move in the supernatural. And I'm telling you, in my first years of my Christianity, I just sat in a pew. I mean, it's just like I'll never, I could never do that. He speaks so eloquent. He's so smart. His daddy was a preacher. And his daddy's daddy was a preacher. <laughs> I mean, how could I ever be like that? Well, I'm not supposed to be him, but I'm called to be supernatural just like you. And I'm telling you, Rodney Howard Brown got a hold of me and just totally messed me up. He started telling me who I was and what I could do. And I just believed him. All those years, I'm thinking, man, that would be great to be like that, but I can't be like that. And then when Rodney Howard Brown, I started getting in his meetings and he just started speaking like I'm speaking to you. First time I heard it, things started getting stirred up on the inside of me. I started seeking the Lord. I started putting these tools in my pocket and in my heart. And the next thing you know, I took a risk. I quit playing it safe. I started becoming what the Lord called me to become. It was, it, you know, it was frightening. <laughs> I was, had to step out. I had to trust the Lord. I had to trust in the gifts that God would give me the gifts if I need them. I had great expectation. I was crazy enough. I remember Tony, when Tony first came here, uh, he wanted to work in the, um, he, he wanted to just work in the gift of healings. He wanted to lay hands on people. And, uh, you know, because the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He just believed it. So how do you start that? You just lay hands on the sick and believe it. That's it. I said, Tony, how did you get moving in that? He said, I just did what you told me. He said, lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name and believe and people will get healed. And you know what? When I started that, the first four people I prayed for, they died. Somewhat discouraging. <laughs> 
I didn't kill them. I just didn't heal them. Don't look at me like that. I didn't kill them. They needed a healing, and I just didn't have it yet. But I started practicing. And apparently my practice needed more practice. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. There's people dying all around you, and you're not even making an attempt. You understand? Make an attempt. If they die, it's in the Lord's hand. At least you tried. At least by faith you stepped out. But you have to step out. God has anointed you to supernaturally heal the sick. God has anointed you to supernaturally deliver people out of bondage in which they are living. The normal Christian life is a supernatural life. You know, Stephen in the Bible was a deacon. He was just a ministry of helps. He was helping the fivefold ministry. And the boy could preach. The Bible said he was full of faith and full of the power of the Holy Ghost. And he'd preach. You look in uh, Acts 6 and Acts 7. He just went off starting to preach. He preached the Old Testament to the people. And all of a sudden the people got mad because he, he looked like he was so smart. And then they started stoning him. You might, you know, somebody might throw a bad rock at you when you start. But do you love Jesus? Do you want to do something for the Lord? You got to get started. I promise you, you won't die of being stoned. I promise you, not in this day and age. You got lawyers, you got me, you got people praying. Yeah, no, come on, man, you're not going to die. Step out in faith, get out of your fear. Don't be intimidated by the people you're looking at. Don't, don't look at people's frowns in their faces. Just do what God tells you. And then after you do it, you walk away and just thank God for having the opportunity and let God bring the result to you. That's how easy it is. And you might mess up. Oh, my God, I don't want to be embarrassed. Listen, I'm willing to be embarrassed for Jesus. I'm, I started. You know, when I started, I was so fired up. I mean, so fired up. And, and when I got, because these signs follow those that believe. In Jesus' name. Well, when I found out the name of Jesus had power, I added something to the name of Jesus. How many of y'all know you're not supposed to add or subtract from Jesus? But I did. When I would pray, I'd pray like this. In Jesus' name. I know that's not good English, but that's how I prayed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I mean, my heart was right, but my grandma was off. And finally, my pastor, one day I was praying for somebody, he just tapped me. He said, hey, why you say in Jesus' name? <laughs> How many of y'all know you need a pastor? I was, it, it didn't sound right. You know, it wasn't right. So he pulled me over to the side. It never stopped me, and I never, I, I don't think I do it anymore. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> But if you got to start off in Jesus' name, just do what you got. Just get started. You will, you'll mess up. Y'all want a mission for you? I'm not going to make you stand up and tell all the mistakes you made, but you make mistakes. I made mistakes. I'm telling you, when I started this church, everybody was a guinea pig. They didn't know it. <laughs> but I was practicing on everybody. <laughs> I've grown. But you have to start. 
Tell your neighbor, start. So many times we have had the wrong idea that we ought to come to church and see the preacher perform miracles. We look at the fivefold ministry as God's superstars as if only they have the supernatural gifts of the spirit and the power to heal the sick and cast out demons. We have this one couple in our life. They just never went forward in God, okay? And every time I meet them, they just, they almost bow down and want to kiss my feet because they like, so much y'all are amazing I'm like shut up <laughs> you could you could have done the same thing but you chose not to you chose just to sit in church all of your life you chose the the easy way you chose the safe way you chose not taking a risk not you know you just chose not to grow not to be used by God it's the only difference I'm not saying they would have been pastors but don't just come get all lathered up about what I'm doing. You can do something big for God too. Come on, somebody. Stay hungry and stay humble and just go for it. Tell your neighbor, go for it. God's supernatural power is for all believers in Christ. God's healing and miracle power is for you. The divine supernatural gifts of the Spirit are for all believers. The gifts of the Spirit are the power twos. I said that. God gives us, gives us, he gives us these power tools for, for, to fulfill our ministries, carry out the great commission, and to destroy the works of the devil. Supernatural empowerment equips the believer for the service. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, the son of, for this purpose or for this reason, the son of God was manifested. That's Jesus. He manifested in the flesh. Uh, the Bible talks about we beheld his glory, but he manifests in the flesh for one purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so when are you going to manifest? It's time to manifest. You manifest in the world, in your flesh, did all kind of crazy stuff. Some locked up. I've seen some of y'all past pictures. I know what, what you were doing. It's a good thing Facebook wasn't back in my day. Because <laughs> you could trace back, track back and find some stuff. But you understand, it's time to manifest. Manifest the glory of God. Manifest the power of God. Be open. Just be open. God will use you. Hallelujah. I was thinking about Thomas O'Lynn. He's got all the latest, greatest new battery power tools. <laughs> you know, we used to have to plug in tools with extension cords. Actually, actually, in my day, we had to walk up to the TV and turn it on. I mean, it was tough. <laughs> we, it, and you had to flip to one of three channels. It was, it was rough. No, but today you have power tubes. You got a battery, it just mo everything's mobile. Well, you just need to get powered up. You are the mobility of God. You're the hands and feet of the Lord. What he's going to do, he's going to do through us. us. <laughs> That's bad grammar too, but he's going to use us, plural, all of us. And we all will have unique 
giftings and unique callings. And we'll all we'll be diversified. You understand? We have different backgrounds. We have different uh, levels of education. It doesn't matter where you are. God wants to use you. God's not worried about where you came from, what you look like. I know you're cute, but he ain't got to have cute. He don't have to have cute. <laughs> all right. I turn the page. How to operate in the gifts of the spirit. Great. Get dissatisfied with being a pew warmer. Now, listen, don't get tired of coming to church because, I mean, I've been in church all my life, but I come to church to get something so I can use it. That's why people get bored in church. That's why they just leave because they just sit in church. They don't do nothing with what God's given them. I'm serious. And so what, what I would do, man, I'd listen to my pastor, and man, I'd listen to the five-fold ministry that came in. I'd get every importation. They'd say get in the line once. Once the power of God hits you, go sit down. I'd get up, get back in the line. I never, I didn't, I just got as much as I could. That's legal here. <laughs> and then I would get something, and then I would go use it. I would, you know, I would do what the Holy Spirit was telling me to do. He was showing me what to do, and I'd just go do it. It's that easy. You tell your kids, go do something, they'll go do it. They're supposed to. If not, it's called rebellion. I'm not going to go there. But if you're open, the Lord wants to use you. And obedience to the Lord is the most beautiful virtue. It's better than any sacrifice you could do. So the Lord's not asking you to make this great sacrifice. He's asking you just be obedient. Obedient pleases the Lord. Disobedience will just comfort your flesh and put it off. And so just let's just be obedient. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, there's some good things coming up in this scripture. I'm trying to get not to get ahead of myself. Mark 15 says, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to everyone. And those that believe, baptize them. Those that don't believe, you just, you know, you just move on. Kind of hurts your heart, but you just move on. Preach the gospel. He's given us all authority to preach the gospel. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Be clean, yielded, available vessel for God's anointing to flow through you. Could we read Ephesians 5? This is just really good. Ephesians 5, verse 8. You, for you were once darkness. Y'all have heard me say this before. You were not in darkness. You were darkness. As prettiest and cute as you are right now, you were darkness. But now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. See, that's a choice. I don't know what to do. Well, find out. Get, get with the Lord. What, what is acceptable to the Lord? What is the will of the Lord for your life? That should be what you're seeking. You know, when somebody wanted to get married, they started looking. <laughs> they started seeking, so they'd find. They started knocking, 
And it's the same way with the Lord. Your heart is have to, has to be bent towards him. You have to seek the Lord. He wants to use you. Let me tell you this. I'm going to tell you something else that's wicked. People that just complain about the world and how wicked it is, and they're not doing nothing about it. That's wicked. Got the goods. Got the gospel. Got the spirit. Born again. Saved. Once was darkness. Now they're out of darkness, and now just constantly complaining about how wicked the world is and how bad things have gone and how far we have gone away and strayed away. It's because the church isn't doing anything. The moment we make this shift, just this group right here, the moment we make the shift, just get our zeal for God back and just get to the place, God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'll say whatever you tell me to say. We'll begin to see changes yeah. right here locally, and then it'll just begin to disperse throughout the communities in this area. Come on, somebody. We, we are going to make the difference or it won't be made. God's going to use his church. His church will prevail. Uh, let's read some more. Finding out what's acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Get your hands out of what's not of God, but rather expose them. That's wrong. You know, we're not around judging people, but man, if something's hurting somebody, you know, I mean, if they're doing something that's not a principle of God and it's actually hurting them, Say something. You know, I could, I, I may come off sometimes as a little rough. And my wife accuses me of that. And I can be sharp. But I care for people. I really care for people. And if, if I have to be a little abrupt and a little, you know, a little strong and a little challenging because I care for you and I know what you're doing is hurting you. You know, I'll walk up to people that I know are born again and they're smoking and they got health issues. I'll just walk up to them, man, you need to quit smoking. Well, of course, the person's not going to like you. But it's the risk I take. I care enough about the person that, you know what, God can help you. You can get delivered from that. Let me pray for you. And we do it all in love. It's, it's not, we don't have to be abrasive, but if something's hurting somebody, in other words, a marriage is not right and people are bickering. You understand? And they ask questions. You ought, to, you ought to whip your Bible out, man. You go to straight to Ephesians and start giving them some scriptures and tell them there's hope and be honest. Tell them how bad your marriage was. <laughs> be honest. Tell them what God did for you and the testimony you have. We can't keep sitting, listening to people's drama and turmoil and hurts and pains and not do anything. We, we just can't. God wants to use you. Increase your knowledge of spiritual gifts by studying what the Bible teaches about them. That's why I gave you that homework. Increase Bible knowledge will increase your faith to operate in the gifts. Love people and minister to their needs with the love of God. How about that? Practice righteousness and love people. You understand? Practice your righteousness by just loving people and giving people what God gave you. Give them hope. Give them, give them the principles of the Bible. 
And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed the sick. You know, we were in Mexico coming home one time, and y'all know Miss Betty Goosh? I don't know, but she was always a frail little lady, and she was getting older, and uh, they would always, she had back problems. Anyway, we're coming home, and this car, little combat, it looked like your car, Chris, it <laughs> it ran down this ravine. I mean, it was deep. We saw it run off the road, and we saw it just stop. And I stopped the car, and I didn't, you know, you're just kind of stunned. You don't know what to do. Miss Betty's in the back seat or in another car. She got out the car. She got out the van, and she just took off running. And I mean, she has a bad back. She, she's not even thinking because all she has is compassion for those people in that car. All she knows, they're in need, and I can help them. And so something just hit her. I mean, I think I got there after she got there. <laughs> and I'm a lot more mobile. And she took my pillow, my precious pillow, my only pillow that I ever loved in my whole life that I would bring everywhere I went. She took my pillow. And when we got there, um, I, don't, I don't want to exaggerate, but I don't know how all those people got out that car. It was like they kept getting out the car, and they were all hurting. So we prayed, then the paramedics came. But compassion, where's your compassion? Lord, give me compassion. Come, passion. Just ask the Lord, Lord, bring me passion for the hurting. Come, passion for the hurting. You know, we, we get hard-hearted. You see somebody asking for money, you're all mad. You know, you see somebody lazy and not working, get all mad. You understand? People have problems. It, it's just not like slap them in the face, go to work. That just It's not like that. These are deep-rooted things. Man was made to work, and when a man is lady, lazy, something's happened. He, well, he's on drugs. Well, drugs are only... A, a symptom of the root. Drugs is not the problem. It goes a lot deeper than that. So we need to have compassion. And I'm telling you, Jesus would have compassion. He had compassion on the, on the lady that was accused of adultery. He had compassion on people. And it, it's something about caring for people, not judging them. It's something about just caring for people. And I remember how our ministry really started is that we had compassion. And, and we would say things, and this wasn't too deep. We would say things, Lord, I wish I could help. I wish I could. Man, that right there is a powerful prayer. That makes you available, have access to all the gifts of the Spirit. Holy Ghost working with you. Lord, I just want to help. You got to get out yourself. See, we so self-absorbed. Well, what about me? Well, what about you? <laughs> what about everybody? Listen, when we get to heaven, it ain't going to be about us. Man, I want to stand in that judgment seat of Christ, and I want Christ to be elated and happy and say, 
enter into the joy. I, I want him to be proud of me. I, I want to know that I want him to tell me that I was obedient. I want him to be joyful that I was obedient and I listened to his voice. How about you? Listen, I'm not trying to beat you with something to get you going. You got to follow your own heart. I could stand up here and tell story after story, but you got to get to the place where you just say, Lord, use me. Just, just Lord, use me. Somebody went out on the limb for you. I mean, I know Jesus did, but people witnessed to you. People prayed for you. People put, put up with your nonsense, your dramatized life. <laughs> you understand? Somebody had compassion on you. People had compassion on me. As much pride as I was in, as self-absorbed as I was, people saw potential in me. And they had compassion for me. They wanted to help me. And I thought they were all weak and nuts. I looked at them like, you can't help me. I don't want your help. You ain't got nothing to give me. That's how proud I was. But those same people had compassion. They prayed for me. They witnessed to me. They encouraged me. They, they spoke to the potential that was inside of me. And it affected me. It moved me. It changed my heart. It brought me to Jesus. They were working with the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit with them, just brought me straight to Jesus, and I got saved. That's the ministers that we are. Expect the Holy Spirit to manifest his gifts through you as you boldly step out in obedience to his leading. How about some of that? Listen, if you ask for the Holy Spirit to help you, why would God not allow the Holy Spirit to help you? If your children ask for a piece of bread because they're hungry, you're going to give them a snake or a rock? And the Bible talks about, you know, those being evil know how to give their own children good gifts. How much more with the Holy, will the Father give us the Holy Spirit if we just ask? That's it. You just ask to be used. You just ask, Holy Spirit, partnership with me. I'll partnership with you. I'll abide in you. You abide in me. Come on, it's that easy. Important, I'm on page 11. Moving in the gifts involves a willingness to take risk. If you're not going to take a risk, God's not going to use you. You've got to take a risk. got to step out in faith. I like risk. Huh, sir? <laughs> we'll be somewhere. I said, I'm going to climb that mountain. And we climbed the mountain. I remember we in Colorado, I said, I'm going to climb up there. I climbed up there. Man, I got up there and they had these big, huge boulders. I'm talking about just like, just a little nudge and it go. I start rocking that thing. Soon said, no, no. And there's a highway down there. No, I just, man, it's just so easy. It's going to fall one day. I might as well help it. Man, I pushed that rock and an avalanche started. I mean, it was running over trees. I mean, like, I just, I love adventure. I love to get in a place that I'm not too comfortable with. I remember, again, uh, we were in Indonesia, and we were going down this dark, dark road. It was, it was dark. Tony's in the back seat, 
And he told me later, after we were sitting on the corner of this dark street with all of these people around us, dark, short-skinned people, nobody speaking our language, eating fried pigeon. I mean, they just fried a whole pigeon and just give it to And so we're sitting on a corner. And Tony looks at me. He said, you know what I was thinking before we stopped here? I said, what? He said, I hope pastor don't stop here. (laughs) (laughs) And so anyway, you just got to, and I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, don't put yourself in danger, but you have to, you have to step out. Come on, we live in America. Ain't nobody in your subdivision going to shoot you. Go bring, them a, go bring them a pecan pie. Go do something. Don't just sit. You're called to ministry. You've been called. You have to choose this calling. You have to say yes to the calling to be used by God. Come on, somebody. Somebody say yes. You must be willing to step out as you sense the Holy Spirit is anointing. Susan taught me this. Man, before I got saved, I watched my wife. I mean, she'd just be washing dishes or something, and all of a sudden, something would just come over her. And this one time, something just came over. She, I got to go. I'm like, you got to go? Where are you going? What about me? I got to go. I got to go pray for this person. So she jumps in the car, runs over the cat. The cat's like going all crazy and everything. <laughs> She points at the neighbor down the street. Go take a guy of my cat. I got to go pray for a man. He's dying. That's true. And so she goes. She's just led by the Spirit. She leads this guy to the Lord and ministers to uh, his daughter, which is kind of a connection down the road. And uh, he dies, but he's saved. And it was just the Holy Spirit just came on her. Anybody ever had that happen? Just you have to do it or you go nuts. Yes, I feel, I just sense it. I feel it. I got, I got to, I got to, I got to. Don't call me to do it. <laughs> well, Pastor, the Lord's showing me we need to do this. The Lord ain't showed me that. He showed you that, and you're trying to hand it off to me. Just be obedient. His voice speaking, his voice will speak to you as you receive his thoughts, words, pictures, or impressions. Then boldly step out, walk on water. Reject the fear of man. Be willing to be a fool for Jesus for the sake of the gospel. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I'm telling you, there's more in you. If you've been around here any amount of time, there's so much inside of you. And if you don't put yourself in a place working with the Holy Spirit, you'll never see it flow out of you. You'll always dream about it. You'll always talk about it. But if you don't step out and just by faith, you'll never see the river that's really inside of you. You'll never see the life of God. I'm telling you, it's spectacular when you're just obedient to the Lord and then you see him use you and all of a sudden things happen and people get touched and people get healed or people get encouraged or people have hope. It's like, And you're not going to take credit for it. If you do, you're full of pride because you know in your Noah all you were was an available vessel, that an instrument in his hand. And to take credit or be prideful for that, it just cuts the river off. And then you got to fake it. 
then you got to talk real loud because you ain't doing nothing. <laughs> and then you talk about everything that happened in the past and nothing about today. See, the best testimony is today's testimony. What is God doing today in and through you and I? Recognizing your authority and ability in Christ. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. That's that we get that word from uh, the, our word uh, dunamis in the Greek, which means dynamite or dynamo. Ability, efficient and might. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Or the very bounds of the earth. That word. Uh, witness, the Greek word is martos. It's where we get our English word martyr. And so you have to die. You, you're God's dead witness. It also means God's record. See, when God uses you, you become the record of the event. And so not only has the Lord given us the power to live and bring life, but the Lord's given us power to lay down our own life. That's what a martyr does. He lays down his life. Now, <laughs> we probably don't have any martyrs in here. You're probably not going to shed your blood for Jesus, I don't think. But you need to die to yourself. I think I know. <laughs> Y'all know what I meant? Just die to yourself, your own self-ambition, your own selfishness, being self-absorbed, being the center of everything. Let's, be, let's let God be the center of everything. Come on, somebody. I think y'all going to run out of here tonight with some fire. Y'all do what I said in the class. Go home, line up all the baby dogs, your dogs, cats, and just start preaching at them. Practice right there. Just start practicing. Just start practicing. And man, when somebody said hurts, I'm, I'm waiting for a door. It hurts, that's the door. I'm in pain, that's the door. I'm going to tell this story. I think y'all heard it. I don't think everybody heard it. But I was in the car with my boss, and I said, Lord, I want to witness to my boss because he's hard. He, this guy was so hard. You couldn't say a whole lot. You had to practice it. It had to be in deeds. And he saw it. But, I, you know, a gospel not preached is not the gospel. We need to preach the gospel. And so I'm coming down the road, and he was the old school when a funeral procession would come, and he'd pull off on the side of the road, he'd take his hat off, and he'd bow his head, and whoever was in the car, he wouldn't talk. And when the funeral procession left, you know, he put his hat on, he cranked his car up, and he took off, got back on the highway and took off. So here's the funeral procession coming. He pulls the car over. He turns it off. He takes his hat off. He bows his head. And, and I already just prayed to the Lord, Lord, just give me a door. Just give me a door to witness to my boss. So he bowed his head, and he looked at me before he was silent. He said, I wish somebody could die for me. I mean, is that a door? I mean, I, can he get any wider than that? I mean, like, I mean, as soon as I prayed, he did it. I froze. I didn't witness to him. 
I, I just, I froze. Don't look at me like that. You holy thing. I just, I totally, I was so caught off guard. I prayed something that I didn't really expect and God just opened the door. And so when you pray something, you expect it to happen by faith. I mean, it just caught me off. I'm telling you, God will sneak up on you. He wants to use you. God will, God will do things. He will open doors. He will change the climate in the place. I remember another time, you know, it was time for me. The Lord was calling me to go to Bible school. I mean, pray God uses you. Pray God uses you in the situation. And God was calling me to go to Bible school. And, and I mean, I did, my boss did not want to hear about Christianity. He just didn't. I mean, he, he'd, laugh, he'd, he'd always tell this story. He said, you know, I pulled at this old country church one time, and me and my buddy, we'd pull up at that old country church 2 o'clock on Sunday evening, and we'd just wait for the door to open. And he said, they'd come out to church, they'd be shaking and singing hallelujah and running around and they'd laugh and he'd laugh. And I'm thinking, I'm not saying nothing. That's me. <laughs> you understand when people, you know why some people don't witness? Because you were in the bunch talking about that crazy group that was witnessing and you got it in the back of your mind that people are going to talk about you when you start living up and being like Christ. That's what's in the back of your mind. And guess what? That's what they're going to do. And if the fear of man is going to hold you back, I can't help you. They're going to talk about you just like you talked about all those crazy Christians. You talked about this church. You talked about speaking in tongues and how crazy. I mean, come on. We all, we all mock the things of God. And people are just going to do it. But you got to be obedient to the Spirit of God. Jesus hung on a cross for the joy that was set before him. And he endured the hostile attack on his physical body for you and I. And the least we could do is just get past the little mockeries and the little words that people are going to say about us and just do the will of God. Some of y'all got that. Some of y'all ain't happy. This is how God sees you and what God says you can do. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the greater one lives on the inside of you. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You carry the goods of heaven. You carry the kingdom of God. You carry that dunamis power. You carry the giftings of God. And at a moment, God could download what you need, but you got to step out in faith. It comes by faith, not certainty that you have all the details and it's going to work like this and work like, no, you just tr trust in God. I got one believer over here. All believers have Christ's authority and supernatural anointing to do the works of Christ on the earth. All believers. God has equipped you with supernatural power to bring deliverance to suffering humanity. All believers are filled with the Christ fullness. God has given you the supernatural gifts of the spirit to destroy the works of the devil. You know, I'm just thinking this now. I'm sorry for you guys that don't have a book. You know, you're welcome to get next to somebody. Listening is good. And so you don't feel like you're not a part of what we're doing if you don't have a book. 
they paid for the book. Anyway, you're welcome to sit by somebody. <laughs> Miss Callan, you show that lady. You, I mean, really, don't anybody feel left out. Don't ever feel left out. Um, key truth, every believer in Christ should have five supernatural signs following them as they reach out to a needy world. And these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. This is the sign of a believer. How do you know a believer? How do you know a welder? He has a welding rod and a hood, and he makes fire. How do you know a carpenter? He pulls up in this trailer, and it's got a ladder. He opens the doors. There's all these carpentry tools. He smells like sawdust. There's sawdust on everything. How do you know a doctor? He wears these little things. He's this real smart-looking guy. He runs around, and he just comes in for a moment and leaves. And how do you know? How do you know these professional people? How do you know these skilled craftsmen? It's by what they do. Their classification is expressed through what they do. So you're a Christian, not by the cross around your neck or the bumper sticker on the back of your car, or you come to church, or you say, praise the Lord, or I love Jesus. No, there should be signs that follow believers, that it is evident, make no mistake, that's a believer. So this is the signs that follow the believer. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in you, takaba, koribasata. They will take up serpents. This is not handling snakes. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So I'm going to go through those five things. So these five things should follow every believer. Every, all of these things. And if you're not, if you're lacking in an area or don't move in any of these areas, it's okay. But this, you need to know, this is what you should expect. This is what you have been empowered to do. Well, I'm going to just, I just like to come to church. Well, you'll just be a come to church person. <laughs> I remember Susan was at this hairdresser's lady's place and she started talking about some young man and just the, way, the description she was making of this young boy and what he was doing. Susan just, it just came out. She said, he got demons. And she said, oh, 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 I don't want to go. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to deal with that. And so she changed the subject. And so sometimes we come to church. We just want to come to church. We don't want to talk about actually doing something. You know, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick. I mean, God forbid we have to do that. You don't have to do nothing. It should be your will and want and desire to please the Father because he saved you to do this. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. He not only saved you for you, but he saved you for somebody else. Don't, don't, I mean, he saved you for you, but he also saved you for the world. How much of God you want working in and through you? Isn't this good? So the New Testament Christian, you cast out demons in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've cast out demons. I've seen, I've seen them lead. 
I could tell stories about demons. Some of y'all probably get frightened. I've, I've seen people fly across rooms because demons would pick them up, throw them across the room. I've seen people, church, just about tear, and they become like a hulk. Uh, teeth just grow, tongue comes out. Just wicked, demonic, and in the name of Jesus. Vomit. You ain't, there's never been a demon vomit in this church. Ain't no demon vomiting in this church. Never had anybody vomit in this church. And some churches want to have demons vomit in their church. Ain't no demon vomiting in my church. <laughs> you understand? I mean, man, we got, we got demons vomiting all the time. You ain't vomiting in my church. <laughs> you ain't doing nothing in this church. You're just going to come out Amen. in the name of Jesus. I remember we went in Mexico and you know, we preached and we're walking out and one of the guys with me, this guy runs up to him, he cast the devil out and the devil just vomited all over him, all over his shirt. And the guy says, I love this. I said, I don't want that. I don't want that. I mean, you're going to get what you want. No, the demon just needs to come out. And listen, I did, I want y'all to do this research with me, okay? First time I ever had this done. I preached a message here, and I haven't found a place in the Bible where another Christian casts a demon out of another believer. So as you read the Bible, when you find that, you tell me. Okay? When you find another believer casting a demon out of another believer, and people say, well, I've done it. Well... I'm not saying you didn't, but I don't see it in the Bible. And so a lot of things we call demons, it's just the flesh. That girl got a demon. No, she just got some flesh. You know, to get the demon off of you, that's, you know, everybody wants to blame it on the poor devil. He really don't have that much power, and I don't believe he has any place in a real believer. A genuine believer I house Jesus, I house the Holy Ghost, and I house the kingdom of God, and there ain't no room for no demon. Amen. You understand? There ain't no room for no demon. Now, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm even kind of wish-washy about this whole thing about attaching demons to your emotions and your mind. It's, it's wrong thinking. You get born again, you set free. You give the power that you give the devil power if you want, but he ain't got no part of me. I'm gonna just keep doing that confession. He ain't got no part of me. I know he attacks, but there's no weapon formed against me will prosper. And I know people get sick, and we use the word of God. You understand? We live in a fallen world. And I know the demons can attack the worldly people and get in them, get in their emotions, get in their mind. Get in them, rule them, control them, possess them. It can't happen with a Christian. It, Jesus either saved us from this demonic thing or he didn't. And I believe all things are made new. All things are made new. All things are made new. We on go for God. And so sometimes this whole everybody, every believer casting devils out of other believers, oftentimes people just need to be taught. But they're not in church. They don't need a pastor. They're going to figure it out themselves. So they go to a deliverance meeting. 
They need to be in church. They need to be taught things. And, and I'm not saying, you know, people can minister to each other. but And then people in church, they start their own deliverance ministry in the church. So that means everybody in church got demons. I mean, come on. And so we watered down what Jesus did. Man, I'm set free. I don't have no demons. I thought I did at one time, but I don't. It's my flesh. People say that, you know, she got a spirit of Jezebel. No, she's a controlling, manipulating lady that was learned. She was put in a place that she had to survive. She felt insecure. She had no identity. So now she got to control everybody. And people just want to go cast the spirit out. No, it don't work that easy. Now, if you're in the world, you can cast that spirit out and you'll see people get some relief. But you get in the kingdom of God, it's the flesh. It's the flesh. I said it again, it's the flesh. <laughs> we all want the hocus pocus thing. It's the flesh. You need to be taught. And I said this. You know, I heard somebody not long ago, they praying the spirit of sugar diabetes off of that person. And so there's this little demon walking around with a sign, I'm sugar diabetes demon. <laughs> please, please. There is a spirit of infirmity. But I mean, I remember we had this list of devils you had to cast out of people. These are born-again people. I mean, it's like a hundred different spirits you had to cast out of people. I'm thinking, are they, I mean, how can you be saved with a hundred spirits? I mean, <laughs> got this demon, got a trip demon, got a uh, elevator demon. I'm scared to get on there. I'm scared to cross a bridge demon and this. And I mean, my God, scared to give demon. You lost your hair, that's a demon. I mean, please. I'm going to stop right here. Take up serpents. That means you don't go pick up snakes. That means you have power over all of the devil, all of the enemy. That's it right there, believer. You have power over all of the enemy. And number five, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These are the five supernatural signs that Jesus said should follow you, not just those in full-time ministry or leaders in the church. We'll end right there. Any questions? Anybody? Y'all learn anything? So when, when are you Christian brothers manifest, and if they, I don't know, they might not be saved. But if, you know, if you think they were.